Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry? I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. This is the Abby Normal Podcast, here to tell you that you're weird and that's normal. Today you get to meet Brandy. When I was coaching cheer, she was on the team. And she's the quintessential cheerleader, even now in her 30s. Cute, blonde, bubbly. And you've heard of her before. She's my sister's friend, the conservative one that Holly almost broke up with in the Why Can't We Be Friends episode. But luckily, Brandy is a Jesus girl, so she's forgiving of all kinds of shit. I wanted to chat with her about something that she's passionate about, holy yoga. It's basically yoga, specifically geared toward Christians. But there was a lot more in Brandy's life that led her to yoga, and lots of layers to unpeel in the context of evangelicalism and yoga. I always questioned it because I remember even my mom, at the time when she was immersed in the evangelical movement, yoga was told that it was bad. Like, you just knew it was... If it's not your religion, it's not an appropriate religion. Right. It's not an acceptable religion. This story is ultimately an onion of body shame, spiritual shame, toxic patriarchy, and at the very heart, a family of origin. One that Brandy has tried her best to glue together. Ah, <sighs> Brandy. Yeah. That's a lot of shit to catch me up on. <laughs> We're going to start with the yoga. But I actually need you to know a tiny bit of context first so that you can become properly enraged by what happened. When Brandy was trained and started pursuing teaching holy yoga in church contexts, she had recently lost her father to cancer, her mother to drug abuse, and her husband to infidelity, and was raising her teenage sisters on her own. We're going to get to all of that. But here's what happened when Brandy tried to pursue what she thought is right and healing. Side note, we're chatting at Holly's house, so you may hear kids playing Fortnite, birds, dogs, cars, and a water feature in the background. Here's Brandy. I got fully certified, and I did another certification that they offer more leadership-based. I was really lucky the gal who created most of the curriculum, or a lot of the curriculum, for that program was my best friend in Minnesota. So I feel like even though everyone else is doing it online, I was just at her house all the time in the background while she's teaching because she's uh-huh. showing the flow and I'm watching. <laughs> so I got the best mm-hmm. front view. But no, my classes were in person, but I only did a few myself. This is how Brandy structured her yoga classes and approached her teaching. If you, I don't know if you guys ever actually experienced holy yoga or faith-based yoga. I ran my classes a very specific way because it's my faith and you're in my class. <laughs> um, and you know you're walking into it that it's called holy yoga for a reason. You know, I have worship music on in the background. I essentially am creating a miniature sermon in it, too. Like, I'm um, I'm speaking it over usually women that are in my group, but they don't have to be women. That's just who came. And then, you know, I always make it fun, and I make it uh, available to everybody. I think that's really important to me, being a plus-sized woman. I was very apprehensive to go to a yoga class. All of my initial yoga experiences were online because I didn't want to see me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because I didn't want to feel like, I'm not saying they would have judged me, but I had upon myself that I was going to feel judged if I went into those and I couldn't, a position wasn't accessible to me. 
because honestly, I think a lot of classes don't tell you all the options you can do, even though there are plenty for anybody, anybody. But yeah, so my classes, I tried to keep, I would speak a lot about what types of positions you can do instead of something else that's not available to you. And even when I'm doing it, I'm telling them, hey, I'm not even doing this one. Here's where I'm at. <laughs> you know? Well, why were you into it? What did you like about it? Well, I liked that for my evangelical self, I liked that it was, to me, safe because it's staying away from the bad juju of yoga because <sighs> there's Jesus music and being facetious. But no, I, like, I do love the stretching in the evangelical culture since they do act like it is not safe. I guess is the easiest way of speaking. Yeah, totally. That I did a lot of my own research on it, and I do think it's just body movement. And if if I'm going to live my faith saying that God created everything, that he created body movement too, so how can I feel bad doing any freaking body movement? (laughs) Like, honestly, like, how many positions do you do in a regular day that's very close to a yoga move? (laughs) Like, just bending over, touching your toes, you know? Like, yes, that's a (laughs) ragdoll. She was living in Minnesota at the time and talked to her pastor about holding classes at church. I was actually trying to get my church to let me teach there like on Saturdays. The head pastor, he was amazing. Uh, we met one-on-one and he said, my wife actually does yoga and I think she'd be really excited to be doing it in a faith-based aspect. Um, you can use the church here. You can use our place for free is what he's saying. Okay. And at that time, when I was trying to plan how it's going to look, um, he went on like sabbatical. And I had to talk to the, oh, the stupid titles in church, uh, elder maybe. I didn't meet with him instead, and I kept trying to schedule an appointment to meet with this guy who I didn't know. And I, he would refuse to meet with me in person. He kept intentionally making me talk to him on email. And he actually included all of the church staff in an email to me where he shamed me for all of my yoga beliefs. He sent me verse after verse, link after link, telling me that my faith was invalid um, Uh because I am not understanding that um, yoga is wrong for Christians to be actively participating. And mind you, my head pastor of the same freaking church told me it's okay. As a matter of fact, his wife, you know, did it too. And so I kept, I messaged that elder privately saying, I really just want to sit with you. Words are getting lost in translation. Also, it really hurt my feelings that you didn't need to include the entire church. Right. Now, CC. My name is just dragged through the mud, and they don't even know what was happening before this conversation. Anyway, so I... Uh, also, what kind of a church leader are you if your response to something like this is to attack a young woman? Right? I, it was a large part of my growth in in the church as a whole, like... I hadn't seen for myself the true interworkings of a church. I always right. see what they show me on a Sunday or a Wednesday. You know? Right, right. And it was this experience that I was like, oh, there's a lot more happening, a lot more politics. Right, right. clearly. Like, there's a schism in the church, and instead of, and, like, teaching you... Yeah, and I don't want to be a part of this. Like, this was a huge pain for me. It was awful. And that man's making decisions for the church in some aspect or another, whatever his position allows for. Anyway, so he um, kept refusing to meet with me. After all this back and forth, she took matters into her own hands. I caught him off guard on a Sunday after church. He didn't know what I looked like, so he's never met me. But I Googled him. 
<laughs> Heck yeah, you did? No, this is amazing. And I caught him off guard. I walked up to him and I was like, hey, so-and-so, um, I'm Brandy, the one you've been talking to through email. And if you could have seen his face, like I felt vindicated just in that moment alone that he was like, shit. <laughs> 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 She's he's against a wall too, literally. It was a perfect place that I caught him. Yes. <laughs> and it actually behooved me in that moment that my father-in-law at the time was in the denomination and he was very well known in the denomination and so I name dropped on purpose I was like yeah I'm so and so's daughter-in-law <laughs> he even said some nice stuff about my father-in-law at the time <laughs> and so I told him I was like this is really upsetting me here's why let me tell you this stuff and he flailed his hands in his words to attack me about it he said again he referenced some of the things he said that it's you know essentially satanic it's not of of christ and i said have you ever stepped foot in a faith-based yoga class and i don't have to no i don't have to i don't need to do that to know and i was like but i really think that it would you would understand more you can even come to one of my classes and observe you don't have to participate just observe and he wouldn't let me finish my sentence because he was clearly not interested to hear what i had to say about this i tried to get a hold of the head pastor after that and he never responded to me in my heart of hearts, my pastor, I believe, was caught in the politics of it, too. And where could he go in that? Right. Um, so the board voted and said, no, I couldn't do And there's no women on the board, right? No, of course not. And no women <laughs> on pastoral staff. Yeah. And so I actually did get a hold of, because I was trying to be an advocate for myself in this and trying to <laughs> damn the man kind of thing, you know? <laughs> so I did find um, a wife of one of the other elders on the board. And she did advocate for me with her husband, but it was a losing cause. It wasn't going to work out, you know? I think the patriarchy and the complementarianism theology and that all goes hand in hand, like, that's part of the problem, too. When they hear about this, this is a woman's thing. <laughs> Women don't have the gift of preaching and teaching, right. according to their theology, oh, right? So automatically, they're already going to put that in the box of evil and yeah. sinful without knowing anything about it, because it has to do with women. It is a women's thing. It's, um... It's gross. It was very eye-opening. It was, uh, heartbreaking for me, because especially in that scenario, I very much respected Pastor. And I do still think he's in an unwitting situation. Then she moved to California and was hopeful she could work her Christian network and find churches to teach through. Even coming back here to Fresno, um, I was actually excited to use my whole yoga training because I was like, oh, we're full of churches and people are more progressive in California, which is kind of weird to say, but I was a small town life in Minnesota. So yeah, I started actually, I made posts online to find churches, like people who knew churches out here that I can maybe work with and teach at. And so I was asking online before I came out here, and I actually got a message from an old friend of mine sending me, God, she too sent me like three or four links to random women who had also been in the Christian yoga world that had changed their ways because it's bad, it's satanic. Satanic? Uh, yeah, because... Forgive me for not acting like I know as much as I should know. My books are not in front of me, and it's been a while. But 
just because it's rooted in, you know, Eastern religion in their mind. But I actually, this sounds a little preachy and I apologize, but this is what I used in those moments where I felt, I felt genuinely attacked and the girl was attacking me because this is something I made a choice to do. I checked my own heart with my faith and I thought that it was sound. And actually, Brooke Boone, who's the founder of Holy Yoga, she said, not one person or religion or cult can claim to own body movement. And I was like, okay, that's where I kind of fall with my viewpoint on this. Like, if you're going to say that, because the, she, the girl who's attacking me said that each motion is rooted in a deeper meaning and it, they're worshiping other things. Like, I think warrior pose, there's warrior one, two, and three. They're actually an action that's supposedly of killing somebody, a specific person in Eastern culture, I don't really know. And so she would send me links to research all of this, and really, I felt like to shame me. But because of my upbringing, we were talking about this earlier, it just mm -hmm. it did trigger me, like, oh my god, I need to, I'm the wrong one. Like, that's what I'm automatically tuned to think, mm -hmm. um, because we don't want any sin to cause us shame in our life. We need to check your heart, and that's what I was raised to think. So I kind of Secret did... sin that you don't even know about. Th that's, and that's the worst kind. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't know and so am I in trouble for all the time that I had doing doing secret sin secret sin I was actively in it I don't know so I actually did I watched one of those videos just to like I said I want to always be that's my church, church taught me you know to always be checking myself in that and I want to grow I don't want to stay stagnant so if something was wrong I was like fine I'll check out this stuff and see and I mean it was a ridiculous video in my personal opinion but it did like it it's like enough to plant a seed of doubt for me mm -hmm. to question everything of who I am and what I'm doing. And um, I would say that in relation to some other things just of life happenings, I stepped back from holy yoga altogether. I did do one training um, in February, I think this past year, February, March-ish, for women in leadership. And um, that was really fun, but I was so self-doubting of myself in that because I had been removed from it for a long time. I still had those kinds of thoughts in the back of my head that this is maybe sinful, secret sin, but... <laughs> Breathe, deep breaths, Holly, deep breaths. Brandy talks a lot about checking her heart, meaning taking what the church, her mom, and people on Facebook are saying about yoga, reflecting on it, praying about it, and trying to decide for herself what is right. She doesn't want to do anything that might harm people spiritually. And that's how we were raised to evaluate the world. Is this a thing of God or is it a thing against God? Those are the only options. As I said earlier, there's a lot wrapped up there. I actually think that a lot of the miscommunication in it to the evangelical church is that you have to do those movements in the like clearing your third eye and all those and your chakras and stuff and i think that each person doing yoga makes it what it in your heart what it is for you yeah it's the language yeah. i think that scares but, yeah there's people are afraid of words that they don't know yeah instead of doing their own research they just trust what the other people say and then they just take it as fact and truth i think that happens in a lot of aspects of life but my own practice i'm not doing all of those things in that moment I'm glorifying God in my in my words, in my heart, resonating, even in the motions, like, God gave me this body to move, and look, I can do it. 
So, I mean, that's what it is for me, not everyone else. And you can be in my exact same class, and it's not at all that for you. Right. That's okay, because I'm not here to tell you how to live your life and how your yoga practice should look. <laughs> it's your practice. Yeah. That's the end of my thought on that one. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's sad that there's that attitude about it for a whole variety of reasons, but... For me, the number one is that, like, there's so much healing that needs to happen from the purity culture bullshit that we grew up in and the fact that we're, like, totally disconnected from our bodies and think that our bodies are not holy and not created (sighs) Mm -hmm. to be, you know, beneficial to ourselves or other people around us or God or whatever. It's like you have to ignore your physical form Mm -hmm. in all ways. And I think that yoga can be one of the ways where you can return into your body and heal some of that oh for sure i've had plenty of yoga sessions myself and other people observing i have broken down in in tears on the mat i'm not even doing the flow with everybody else anymore because that kind of feeling has come over me in those moments that i've so long shamed my body because it couldn't get into this position and instead of loving it that i can do a b c and d but it's very therapeutic in that. And actually, um, in the training, you know, we're taught that we hold a lot of our shame and pain in our body. So it literally is being released in a lot of those mo- movements. Yeah, it's it's sad that people restrict it with their squared, closed-minded brain of it. Yeah, I actually, at my training when I was in Arizona, I'll never know what happened. It's not for me to know. But one of the leaders was breaking down crying on their mat and a bunch of their close friends and leaders surrounded them standing in a circle and just giving that person space to not be observed, them themselves be observed. Obviously there's people around them, but um, to do whatever healing they need to go through. And it doesn't have to be a religious healing in that. Who knows? I don't know what that person is going through, but I'm sad that people just can't even accept that that's a way to heal in any aspect aspect religious not or not right or or even just say like oh that's not for me right but cool do your thing but the fact that they have to put like a label on it that it's evil that moment she was harming no one else it didn't affect your life it didn't affect my life that she was going through in her yoga practice then why is it something that you need to be calling out and shaming other people for especially in the faith like we're supposed to lift each other up and not even ask it as an opening conversation to tell me more about this right i've been hesitant Versus just shaming you in a passive-aggressive way. That's crappy. <laughs> it's crappy that somebody... What is that called when you, they, like, poop on your parade? When you're like, hey, there's this thing right. I'm into and like. Is anyone else into it? And somebody's just like, you know, big old dump on it. <laughs> a god dump, too. Like, steaming god dump. <laughs> it's also, like, there's so much evil in the world there are so many things you should be righteously angry about yeah yoga is not (laughs) right i and i yeah i almost feel like sometimes it's their shame guilt or not understanding something that they need to attack you because maybe it makes them feel better totally because they're like i don't know about that so so it's obviously bad Okay, so that's the yoga situation. She's feeling pretty confused and disillusioned with it right now. She saw briefly the internal workings of the church and did not like what she saw. She experienced how women with ideas are stifled or vilified. She felt what a powerful weapon shame is. And that has made her face how that particular weapon has been used again and again in her life. 
yeah, it was heartbreaking because like I said, it's just these little seeds of doubt that I feel like were being implanted in someone like myself who is trying to do the best for what I think my faith is for me, what it means to live it. So you'll get really pumped and be like, this is mm -hmm. me. I have checked my heart. This is what my heart is. I am gung-ho on fire for the Lord. <laughs> Please note that I'm quoting. Um, <laughs> and you go get it. And then to have the church be the one to tell you that that's not the Lord. Like they have a right to tell me that that's right. I don't understand that. <laughs> I mean, they don't. they don't. They <laughs> don't. So, but I, I think that all of these things lead up to what the church looks like now and how I think lots of people in this generation are trying to break a lot of those things, those um, cycles and unhealthy views. And it's like, I think every person has their own, like, this is what affects me the most. So they take that the most seriously and they pave the way in that. So what I might feel is the most important to change the faith of you is different than someone else in that. Right. Same, you know, like we're talking about all the types of, I feel strongly about the women in church kind of thing and the shame that the church made me feel. I was telling this to somebody else too, who I found out was raised evangelical too. And we didn't go to the same church. We didn't have the same story at all. Like just completely different stuff, but the same things were happening. And most of it was nonverbal. Like none of us could find a way to be like, they said this. Cause I don't think they did. For instance, our bodies, women were always shamed in the church for their bodies. And I actually had a guy jump in and say, I don't remember seeing them do that at all. I was like, you don't know. <laughs> you will yeah. never know. Like, yeah. right. I mean, it was one of my first times that I felt, I don't call myself a feminist type thing, but I think that was my first time. I was like, it's true. You don't. You're they don't. Part they of can't see it. Yeah. And, they can't and I'm not mad at you for not seeing it. I wish you could, but like, of course you wouldn't know this happened. And right underneath your nose, you were a kid, but like clothing, I always felt like I had to dress super conservative but I never can think of like a specific time except for swimsuits <laughs> and youth group. Yeah. You had to wear a t-shirt over it. So you couldn't wear a two piece. Um, if you absolutely had to, it had to be a dark t-shirt over it. Couldn't be white. And I actually was reading the book that I was telling you about. Mm -hmm. I think it's called pure. Um, they had a story saying that they were at, um, their kids youth group and they were doing a car wash. And so the girls had their swimsuits underneath their t-shirts um, but I think she was wearing a white one. Maybe their church allowed the white t-shirts. I'm not sure. <laughs> but that a boy intentionally squirted her with a water hose. And instead of the boy getting in trouble, she got sent home. And, like, it makes me so emotional, like, because I have been that girl in a different aspect. You know, we all had that moment. We were we were shamed for our body just freaking existing. Right. And a body that we already felt awkward about anyways because we're literally changing in a way we didn't know we were going to be changing. Right, right. <laughs> But, and I felt that I was telling this to someone else, a friend of mine who got married young also, and the church, growing up in like youth group and stuff, it wasn't ever verbally said, but like we all knew we had to be married like in college time, but that's just what, I can't put it into a time where we were told that verbally, but there's jokes like ring by spring or your money back kind of jokes for college. So like in my head, I was going to be married before I was 25 and I got married four months before I turned 25. <laughs> well, I think part of it is the sex message, right? <laughs> No sex until you are married. And the implication is that marriage is like imminent in the near future, right? Like you only have to hold out for like a few years and then you're going to have this amazing marriage and sex life. Which that's what I was going to go to is that next part is that I was a super goody two shoes when it came to dating or physical, anything with boys, really. I think you could attest to my life back then. I wore my purity ring because we're supposed to do that. I made a whole ceremony for my purity ring. But. 
sex was shameful, and that's the message the church wanted you to know. But they expected after all those years of them forcing that view upon us that the second we get married, we're supposed to not think it's shameful anymore. Yeah. And that didn't work for me and a lot of other girls that I've talked to about this subject before. I actually, with my first husband, I did have sex before marriage. Um, And it was better before marriage than it was after. (laughs) (laughs) There's I'm sure there's plenty of reasons to go with that. But I remember still feeling shame when I was married about it. Yeah. Because I had been taught for so long that my body was for his pleasure. Right. And that's a complicated message for anybody to receive on any aspect. Yeah. So I, a lot of stuff I think just stems from how they view women to be created in the church and what our purpose is. Yeah. What our value comes from, which is being married and procreating (laughs) and managing your home or whatever. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's fucked up <laughs> it's time to rewind this story brandy is in her early 20s living in fresno with her mom and dad and three younger siblings relatively stable home life, involved in church, and dating a pastor's kid from Minnesota. Then... I I got married, obviously, with some skewed views already. (laughs) Right. And I was pretty young. When I got married, my dad had just been diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. So every emotion is possibly thrown in. They're all there, and you can't possibly try to figure out which one is attached to which. Right. Um, What kind of cancer did he have? Pancreatic. Hmm. Summer is when he started, um, he was jaundiced, he had a lot of liver, I think that's a liver Yeah. Um, that kind of stuff happening, throwing antibiotics or whatever at him. Anyway, at that time, um, my boyfriend had moved here from Minnesota, was living in sin with us. And so my dad got diagnosed September to October of that same year, and I got married in October. And that whole time in the background, my mother decided that she didn't want us to live together anymore, even though it was her agreement that my boyfriend could move in with us. And so she kicked us out, and I told her, I said, if you're kicking us out, we have to actually move to Minnesota, because there's nowhere for me to live here. <laughs> we can't, I'm making $9 an hour, Mom. Right. <laughs> like, right. Um, so I got married on October 23rd. I moved October 29th to Minnesota. Wow. And my dad is also dying. Like, <laughs> right, right. Everything is happening at once. Being in Minnesota, I'm not saying because of him, but because any any person in that, whether it's my husband or whomever, whatever I moved for, I moved for someone else in my mind. Mm-hmm. And so I was going to always be angry at that person. Yeah, It wasn't really their fault. It's just where I was. So I kind of grew some resentment in it already. And so I was a really ugly wife in the beginning times, like the very early stages, um, because I figured if I didn't connect with anybody, I don't have to be go through the pain of what I was going through losing my father at the time. If I didn't love somebody strongly as I did with my dad. It was a weird me- mental way of thinking, but that's what I was thinking mm-hmm. subconsciously. Anyway, so our marriage was just always rough, I feel like, in that kind of stuff. Do you remember, like, specific expectations you had for, like, here's what marriage should be like, here's what he should do and what I should do? And Well, of course, because we had to go through premarital counseling at church. So I obviously had those expectations. Plus, in my fluffy religious evangelical girl romance novel type Mm -hmm. view 
he was going to be the leader of our family in faith and in work and all the things that were told that men are supposed to do in the church. Mm-hmm. And I secretly had hoped that he would follow his dad's footsteps, become a pastor. But at the time, yes, I expected a lot of those things. Did, did your parents have that, like, gender role marriage um, model? No, my, I mean, the very basic stuff. Like, my dad was the breadwinner. My mom worked, too, so that's not saying that. But my mom cooked and cleaned. My dad didn't ever cook or clean. So, basic ones. My mom was still more in control of the household. But uh, my, I watched my mom yell at my dad a lot. Control him. But ours was going to be better because I knew that. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't going to do those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out you do a lot of what you lived. Right. <laughs> so I did a lot of that at the beginning, thinking that's the way you fix it. Mm-hmm. If I try to control him, he will be fixed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so beginning marriage was rough. I mean, we were young, trying to pave the way. We had to live with roommates for our first like two years of marriage. They're in Minnesota, and things are kind of rough. Nothing and no one is living up to the romanticized expectations of marriage that they had. Brandy's dad passes away, and things in Fresno go from real bad to the worst. October, he was truly diagnosed, and he died July of the following year. So not even a year from beginning to end. And my mom, before he actually died, she was really erratically behaving. Okay. Um, she was going on vendors where we wouldn't see her. They wouldn't see her for a couple of days. And you're hearing about this, like, from your sister? Well, the kids or? would call me at, like, 3 in the morning saying, Mom's not here. Like, what do we do? And, of course, Dad, when he was still alive, even, that was happening. And he couldn't do anything. He's weak and dying. Like, <laughs> And did your mom have addiction issues before your dad's diagnosis? Yes. So my parents both did, oh, they call it crank back in the day. Mm -hmm. My mom says I think that's a similar thing to myth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The wording changed. Mm -hmm. But they did that before I was born. That was the party life they did together. And so my mom reverted back to what she knew Mm -hmm. before dad existed. It got even worse once my dad died, obviously. Like I said, strange men were coming in and out of the house. I even called CPS my mom once back then, which didn't help. (laughs) CPS gave her seven hours heads up that they were coming. So my mom had the house cleaned, dinner on the table, like the whole house looked perfect. Mm-hmm. And of course, all of her stuff hidden. Two years in, Brandy's marriage is feeling more stable, despite the turmoil back home. Then the turmoil knocks on her front door. By the time I had kind of got to the comfortable, we don't have to have roommates anymore. We get to truly see what's like to be married to each other and be excited to be husband and wife, you know? My mom moved in with us. She moved from California to Minnesota with my two youngest sisters, who at the time were 11 and 14. She literally told me later on that she did meth in the car on the way to the airport to move out here, out mm-hmm. there. So she was fully in addiction when she moved out with us. Mm-hmm. And it was miserable living with her for those few months. She came in how, how did the move happen? Like, did you have to convince her, or did she ask? Or? I've been doing everything I possibly could to move back here to California at first. Okay. Um, I was looking at old employers. Like, I was trying to find a way to be here for my sisters because they knew they needed me in this time of my mom's lifestyle choices. <laughs> but it didn't ever work out. And my mom, at this time, she hated me because she always referred to me as the goody two-shoes. The, I wanted to be a good mom type character and I was to my sisters as a kid too 
So she didn't want me to help her. But I don't know what happened. Just one day she called and asked me if she could move in. So they only brought big suitcases. They flew. Mm-hmm. At that point, my mom didn't even have a house. The kids were separated. My two youngest sisters were staying at an aunt's house. And Tabitha was just couch surfing with her friends at that point. So there wasn't anything to leave. Right, <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So she came. She was still using, I think she found people online or something. Because somebody was at my house at 2 in the morning. The neighbor dogs barking at them. And I heard the door slam afterwards. So she lasted, I think. That dog is getting crazy. So I'll just tell you, her mom lasted three months. And then told Brandy, I bought a plane ticket. And I'm moving back to California. Just one plane ticket. Not for the two kids. Wow. At that point, I was like, good, like. I'm glad yeah. this is the most mature decision you're making, even though it's really shitty right now. To leave the kids out of it, get the fuck out of here. Right, right. <laughs> that all was just very simultaneously happening at that time. Lucas and I got to live together as a single couple for maybe a month or two before my mom came into this chaos at night. So I never had a true husband and wife marriage life. Right, right, <laughs> It was right. always very different looking. So from that, we just all of a sudden became parents to two teenage kids who are fucked up right now because of the life they've been living. Yeah. Brandy got started being a mom, doing all the things good moms do, setting up bedrooms, getting the kids enrolled in school, providing stability by doing things like going to church together every Sunday and encouraging the girls to participate in youth group. I honestly can't even fathom how she did it. I guess she's a good person who didn't really have a choice. Yeah, we paved the way for making the best we could for those, my sisters. Marriage is tough no matter what. Marriage is a lot more difficult when you're also raising kids who have traumas that you don't have a clue to fix or help. Then, that already fragile marriage starts crumbling fast. Brandy is so focused on creating a home, she doesn't really even see it coming. And she's a good Christian girl. They're not supposed to have this kind of messy. So he had a job that he worked. He would go out of town to North Dakota for a couple days each month. And I think that's kind of when he started exploring. Exploring just initially was just Craigslist talking to people, trying to find people. Like I know that like porn was a thing for him. And that always upset me on the evangelical aspect. I'm, my body was created for him, remember, as we learned in church. Right. <laughs> so why wasn't mine good enough? Right. That's the way I felt the time. Then which drives a wedge in the marriage. Cause yeah. If that's all I'm created for, then I'm useless now and I don't know what to do anymore. Right. And like, now I feel shame about my body because I don't look like those girls. Oh, absolutely. I know. Right. I've right. seen that a lot in my life. So that just stops the sex life, which is important to do in marriage. Yeah. And then... Yeah, I think that he just finally met someone <laughs> who actually, I think a lot of the people online were just people who were like texting and like talking online with him, but then he finally found one who would actually be a person. So he started seeing Ashley. <laughs> hate Ashley. <laughs> I obviously didn't know at the time, but um, he was really withdrawing a lot in that fall winter season mm-hmm. after meeting her, obviously. 
And I remember very vividly the time that I knew that he was cheating. It was very strange for my own self. I'll say I believe it was a God thing, but that's up for interpretation, I suppose. I was a LuLaRoe consultant. Did you guys remember LuLaRoe? Oh, yeah. The lady was crazy. And I got a big box, and that was the best day ever to get a shipment in because you're going through all the footprints. And so it's, it's an exciting day, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's the highlight of my day. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I'm opening my boxes, and I have this, like, full-on overwhelming body feeling like something in my gut was like something's up and I felt it sounds so stupid saying out loud but it's truly what happened <laughs> to check cell phone records and I didn't do that I wasn't that crazy yet I became much crazier after this moment mm -hmm. but prior to that I didn't do these crazy things so I went to check my cell phone records just I didn't know what I'm looking for because I have no idea what's happening but I noticed that he's getting texts and phone calls from a particular number consistently outside of what I would consider normal business hours. But, you know, like, yeah. It's not work is what I'm trying to say. It's right. not work talking to him, mm -hmm. right. whatever. And I I jokingly say that I channeled my mother. My mother's a very crazy computational person. And I channeled her and I called the number. And it was a, a therapist's phone number, a woman therapist. I hung up. It was just voicemail. And I... Spoiler alert. No, he was not going to therapy. <laughs> Quick sidebar that will be relevant later. Oh my god, I don't know how to make this work for the storyline, but you should know this in advance. Go ahead. So, fall is when it started happening. October-ish, Lucas told me one day out of the blue, you know, I think that you need to get into therapy to deal with the loss of your father. Mind you, my dad died four years prior. Like, I've already grieved it for a bit. I don't really know why. But right. then, like I was saying earlier, I'm always trying to better myself, and if my husband thinks I need something that I'm not seeing, maybe there's something to see. I don't know. I'm trying to be open and receptive. And so I went to a therapist. My very first session, I'll never forget. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm grieving the loss of dad. Here's my life story. At the end of it, she goes, you know, like... You are obviously grieving your father, but I think you're sounding pretty healthy with the grief of your father. I don't think that's the issue at all. I think it's your mom. Mm. <laughs> Duh. <Right>. <laughs> in my life. Yeah. We continued a very in-depth therapy one-on-one. And then I did a group therapy with her of women, um, and it was called Family of Origin. And it's really just kind of reprocessing our fucked up upbringings and reteaching ourselves Things we didn't get from our parents mm -hmm. and giving it to ourselves. Mm -hmm. you know, right. Sometimes that's the only way you can do it. And it was an amazing therapy. And from it, separate of Lucas stuff, I learned he's a lot like my mother. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I married my mom <laughs> mm -hmm. in a very unhealthy way. Okay, back to the situation at hand. She found the questionable number on the phone records, called it, and got a voicemail. I already know in my heart of hearts this is what we all think it is. And so I called him, he was at work, and I called him, and I was like, who the fuck's Ashley? <laughs> and he's like, do you have time to meet right now? And I was like, yep, let's go. <laughs> so we met in a parking lot. I mean, we're married, he lives with me. We met in a parking lot <laughs> and talked about the fact that he'd been seeing Ashley since August. BT dubs Ashley's idea that I get therapy to prepare myself for no. the breakup of my fucking husband. Because <gasps> they're such amazing goddamn therapists. They're caring about my emotions, you guys. Oh, barf. I know, I was so pissed. 
It's sick. It's so twisted. Yeah. (laughs) I am so freaking amazing that I'm going to help my wife get through this pain of losing me. I'm not ready, obviously, at this point to lose my marriage. Right. Good, bad, or indifferent. I'm just not ready. This is a lot to take in. I remember telling him, okay, you know what? My parents survived infidelity a lot. Like, if my parents could do it, we could get through it. By the way, my parents, God bless them. To say they got through it is a lie. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they were together still, but getting through it in a healthy, healing way, no. So he wasn't prepared for me to say that. He told me, I remember that moment. And he's like, I have to think if I want to continue our marriage because I really thought this was going to be the end because you told Mm -hmm. me before that you would break up with me. Yeah. He wanted me to do all the work. Yeah, they always do. (laughs) Right. And so um, the next day we met and he's like, okay, I'm going to end things with... Ashley and we'll go um, therapy through an actual therapist. <laughs> right. funny to me, sorry. <laughs> and then um, our pastor at the time. And he said he had to break up with her in person. He wanted to end it in person. And I was like, no, you don't get to see her anymore. Like that, we're done. Yeah. Like she's a therapist. If she's truly a therapist, she should understand that this isn't probably healthy for mm-hmm. you to break up with her in person. Uh, he told me in hindsight that her birthday is three days later. And he did see her for her birthday that time. So anyway, point being, he mm-hmm. did not stop seeing her. <laughs> right. We were still going to therapy and talking to our pastor while he's still carrying it on in the background. He like came clean with the pastor that he had been cheating on you? Yeah. Oh yeah, he's... PKs are some crazy people. They can <laughs> fake it like nobody's business. They know the right words, which is why I felt the first place. Right. Like churchy words that I had been mm-hmm. taught to want to hear. So, I lived that whole summer-ish time thinking that our marriage was okay, not the greatest. Like a work in progress. We're we're working on it. Yeah. (laughs) We're doing our part. Until that stomach feeling I talked about earlier. Yeah. And I, again, my story. So, for me, it's my intuition, like Holy Spirit type intuition for me, that I needed to continue down my crazy stalking ways. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Jesus, for giving me that. so I I drove to her house one day in the summer, and sure as shit, my car was there. I mean, my husband's car was on the driveway. Oh, I saw red. You can only match which red you see. Oh, yeah. But I pulled into the driveway. Mm-hmm. You know, look at this. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this was the right choice. Honestly. Absolutely. I'm on board. Yeah. The best. And I kind of felt like I wish I could channel every woman who wanted to be. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I felt I was carrying the torch for all yes. of them. Because uh-huh. yeah. they all wanted to do it at some point. Oh, yeah. 100%. So I pulled in behind him so he couldn't get out of the alley, the driveway. Keep, oh, by the way, this is like, I was getting off at 1.30 in the afternoon. So it's like 2 o'clock at best. My husband should be at work. Right. Side note. Right, right. 100% should be at work. I called him. He's like, oh, hey, I'm, I'm getting ready to come home soon. And I was like, oh, don't worry, just come outside. And <laughs> he's like, what? I was like, yeah, just come outside, it's fine. Just come on out. I'm here. <laughs> so glorious. My, my husband walks out, not in his work clothes, which no. is what he should be wearing. No. He's wearing, like, basketball shorts and a wife beater. Like, he's just chilling at, at home. Oh, my gosh. During the day, keep in mind, she's also a businesswoman uh, who has two kids. He, he comes out obviously shocked. That that moment was the best. The rest of it isn't that as exciting as that yeah, moment. That moment. That was like, oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Until she pulled in behind me. Yeah. She wasn't even at her fucking house. And he was there. She was taking care of her children. No. After school. 
not that we didn't have our own damn kids at home to help, you know, take care of after school. If you want to take care of some kids, we have a couple. And you guys, the only reason I didn't go to prison that day is because the two kids. Because everything in me, my body screamed to throw this car in reverse and compress the gas so hard to get her car. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, uh, man. So I hopped so she could move. I just I had to get out. I couldn't breathe. Like, mm-hmm. my whole body is involved in this now. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect to ever see her. She gave me the space to get out because it's an alley, you know. So yeah, I left. Do you think that that was the end of it? Brandy and her husband have a nice clean break. He admits what he has going on and files divorce papers. Um, no. I would experience pretty much that same story multiple times because I just wasn't ready yet. I felt like I had to be <laughs> to be reminded a hundred million times that he in fact was not choosing me and he was choosing her. Even though his words to me yeah. at home was he was choosing me. Right. But yes, so he was I, not. I right. went to her house multiple times there after to see that his car was still there. Yeah. For about a year, I would say, honestly, it's bad. It's terrible. But it's so point, horrible. I know. Mm-hmm. Towards the end of this whole debacle of me stalking, I know how crazy it sounds to say I was stalking you. But like, I don't feel crazy even now. No. No, because you were being gaslit the whole time. You were confirming that reality was reality. Exactly. It was was the weirdest time in my life. Like, I still, in hindsight, don't feel that people look at me funny, especially guys. They don't. That's not a story you tell on a first date, guys. No. (laughs) (laughs) But it is so, so confusing. Your brain, like, does not comprehend what is happening. It's fascinating how brain works. If I could, when I look back in hindsight of those times of my life, like, it was trying to process. Finally, I actually learn to trust that when I got this because it would be the intuition then I would go see it confirm go through a whole emotional to finally I was like okay you know what you have that feeling he's there just let it go you don't even have to go to see Mm -hmm. because you know that's right that's right that's right Mm -hmm. and this is why we need holy yoga so we can be in our bodies and right. understand how to trust that freaking feeling right it's true yeah but you know what that so. pastor doesn't want you to know that because he's cheating on his wife. <laughs> yes yes <laughs> and mic drop <laughs> The last times I went there and I called him, I was in the same, very same process. Go see the car, call, yelling, go home, cry, hate my life, kind of thing. But one of the last times I called him, he said, stop fucking coming here. So, because <laughs> my brain still is 100% sure, can you just say that you're done with me? Right? right. Just tell me. Seriously. I'm leaving Seriously. you. We are getting a divorce. It right. got to the point where that was all I wanted. I wanted, it should be his job. This is all so painful and frustrating and just drawn out. But the worst part might be that her two sisters watched all of it happen. I hate my kids to see it every day. Right. And her kids were thinking he's so fucking amazing. Totally. Right. right. You know, and Yours were like suffering with you through right. all this. Right. Like, well, through everything. And yeah. Like, me and please be an adult and either like my mom left. Right. That? that like is crushing my heart. I don't like Becca. I remember one time Becca like. One time, Lucas walked out from the New Worst party once we got it. He was at my house. Um, he wasn't living there anymore. But it was still like, I had this hope that wasn't even real, but I had this hope that my marriage was still Yeah. Also part of my issues with my religion, too. 
Yeah. But it's yeah. supposed to be fixed. Right. If I'm doing the right things, why is it being fixed? Right. Um, and like, divorce is shameful, so don't do it. Oh, that's the main reason why I didn't get divorced for three yeah. years after he cheated. Yeah. In case you didn't hear, the story started in 2015. I didn't get divorced until last year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, one time he walked out of the door and I actually fell, just dropped to the ground, like just bawling. And again, again, body therapeutic though. My body was processing mm-hmm. with my brain. They're finally maybe connecting a little bit mm-hmm. <laughs> on the same page. But Era, my sister, I'll cry talking about it. Um, she was sixteen, and she just sat on the floor and just ran my back. Um, and that I was then I was furious because it's so unfair. This child had to walk yes. with me because I had this, whether it's impressed upon me on my own or from all the upbringing church stuff we've talked about. I had to know in my mind that I did all I yeah. could to make my marriage work. Did you have to file the paperwork and all that? I absolutely have That to. fucking pisses me off so much. It's over. She filed for divorce in Minnesota and got notice in two days that it was a done deal. She moved back to California. All three of her sisters are there too. She's making a new life with a fresh start. And she's done a whole lot of reflecting on church, faith, and authenticity. I'm kind of wrapping up everything we've talked about here. I mean, it's all, I think it's all like one big ball of wax. Meaning I think it's all connected. You know what I mean? It's like the theology impacts, the leadership of the church impacts how women are treated, impacts how we show up in our marriages and personal lives. Yeah. I I don't know at which point, I kind of give credit to my dad for, um, in my mind, raising me to be authentic in my faith and that means being authentic to be human and fallible right like i can be sinning i can be actively sinning and i'm not any less less valuable which is a hard message i think that people don't get in the church but i remember going to a bible study a bunch of women that i was trying to i was trying to live the good christian wife life although secretly my husband was cheating on me i'm raising two kids that aren't mine and everything is turmoil but i'm like well i'll be in bible study so the Lord Jesus will take care of me. <laughs> That's the mindset. Um, so I went to this Bible study just like, dude, we're going to be real because we're women meeting together. We know what it's like. like we're going to do this together. But we were supposed to get into small groups and talk about a time where someone else holds us accountable for whatever sin insert here. I don't know. And this woman who starts, oh God, it's the best. I'm ready to talk some shit right now. I'm like, I got some good stuff. <laughs> I get real deep here. And this the first girl said, well, my three or four year old at home, we don't say, we don't take the Lord's name in vain at my house. And so I said, oh my God. And my daughter, mommy, we don't say that. And I was horrified. Because <laughs> I was the stupidest. <laughs> I couldn't even hold it in, too, because I am authentic in that. <laughs> the rest of the girls. And I'm like, oh, 
I'm sorry that saying, oh my God, is bad in your house, but I actually fucking curse in my prayer life. Uh, yeah. Like, yes. I actually talk to God and I curse. <laughs> and I think it's okay. <laughs> I don't think he loves me any less than. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But it, I think if in the church, in what I, how I see the way it needs to progress from my little corner of the world, of my view of it, that the world needs to know that I'm real and I am because of my faith doesn't change that I make life decisions just like anybody else and that I don't struggle either side of it. Trying to, We're all trying to decide what our definition of moral or right yeah. is. And so I think you could join my religion, quote unquote, and curse. <laughs> like I, why? If he knows me, if we're going to say that in our faith that God knows our every thought anyway. So right. He knows our curse anyway. It. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, and it says, and he still loves me. So yeah, the lack of like authenticity, I think, is the thing that I cannot abide. That, like one problem. day longer, and I don't want. That. I don't. If that's what you're trying to sell me, I'm not interested. And yeah. is anyone shocked that the rest of the world isn't interested? Yeah, it's not for me. Mm-hmm. I'll just go do yoga and curse all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, like over the past 18 months, literally every prayer I've had has just started with. Uh, <laughs> that like literally prayer. every that's it yeah right that's all that's all it's all encompassing just send that to the ether wherever right. it goes yeah. i don't know i think that's much more authentic and if i'm gonna be talking to someone that i think is a higher power they would appreciate me for being who i am yeah because <laughs> right. they, they created me right that's the- yeah right <laughs> In her new life, is she going to church anywhere? Has she found that authentic place filled with yoga and cursing? No, so actually, when I first came back, I church stopped, and I realized that the mega church for me had a place, and it was in the past. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> I, I believe that it did lay some foundational doctrine that I am thankful for but there was a lot of stuff that I had to break down very strong roots that I I, I don't they don't serve me mm-hmm. so from that I started jumping around to different churches no church was really working for me I do live my life feeling that in my heart of hearts that I can walk into any bible preaching church and get something for myself out of it but doesn't mean it's the one that's for me I guess but Pastor Scott Gossenberger was a pastor in the world of our life. Do you remember the name? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and he has a very interesting story. He had an affair and that changed his life trajectory. He stopped speaking for a long time. He came back years later and started doing a different church in town. And I don't think that was his calling anymore. If that's the way we want to word it. The big church wasn't his place anymore because that's not... You don't get to be authentically yourself there, in my opinion. Yeah, not, no. he, that's not his words, that's mine, just so you know. But he started his own church, and he spoke very openly about his affair to the congregation. And I was like, that's where I freaking want to be. If I'm going to be going to a church, I want to be with a pastor who will authentically live his life. Not saying that what he's doing is good and to continue in that lifestyle, that's what I'm saying. But that we're not pretending. We all know, like I said, you nodded when I said his name. Like, we know who he is. We know what you did. We all know your secret sin. Mm-hmm. It's not secret. <laughs> right. Not so secret um, anymore. But instead, and he, he'll say it pretty often that that was a part of his life. It happened. It's, you know, I'm not going to pretend that's not who I was. And 
he often still feels that shame we were saying earlier because it's just what we've been ingrained to think that he's not good enough to be preaching to other people. He's not good enough to bring other people to the faith and whatnot. And I resonated with that. If there's a church I want to be a part of, it's a church that will talk to me openly and not shame me. He never shamed me once in my story. But actually from that and just, I think, being authentic with him, he his son was helping him start the church too. He's a pastor as well. And they both asked to meet with me to be involved in the leadership parts of creating this church because it's still like a you know, grassroots church. And I was ecstatic. And then I ran away because so I was really scared. I didn't do it. Because the shame button keeps coming back for my story, I keep saying, let's do some psychology on Brandy right now. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta slay your shame demon. I know, and I after it started, like I, I feel like lots of the church words that were spoken over was you have to live in or out of the world. You can't have a foot in both sides. Yeah, no gray, black and white only. That kind of thing. Yeah, secular versus Christian. Absolutely, you had to be on the Christian. Hundred percent. Don't even be so far away that you don't even know that there's another line. (laughs) So yeah, I stopped going to that church altogether in that moment when I started dating a man of the <laughs> Yeah, I think about my best friend who, you know, was very involved, would lead Bible studies and lead service teams and that kind of thing. And she moved down with her boyfriend like three years ago and they told her she couldn't be on leadership. Mm-hmm. She's living in sin. The 40-year-old grown woman. Like, mm-hmm. it's ludicrous. Also, like, it is so weird to pick one thing right yes like out of all the things the bible tells you you should or should not do yes this is the one like i guarantee you there's some karen in that church that's an absolute nightmare to retail customers and they're not gonna be like you know what you can't be in leadership because you're you know not being kind and you're not lifting people up why is that less important than yes. having sex with somebody? Absolutely. Which, you know, like, I don't know if you guys have, like, seen the world, but, like, sex is a thing that, like, all things do. Yeah, well, actually, like, you, created. Yeah. Whether like, you even believe in a creator, like, we are made to do that. Things that we're all equipped Like, it's why yeah. our species is still here. Yeah. Unfortunately. Like, all beings are just walking around like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Except for, like, aphids. They just <laughs> People of the earth, step a little closer, now show me where it hurts to my people, people of the planet, we can bring it back. Well, and so that's the thing that I'm struggling with in, like, all of my adult life, because I also was feeling shame about my ex-husband's affair, and I put it on myself. That means I was a failure. I did something wrong, because my husband didn't stay with me. He didn't choose me. That's how it felt. But at the same time, like, I was still, like, growing in my own faith, on my own time, and, like, my own relationship part of my faith. And so I found this post... It says, repeat after me, I'm allowed to be both a work in progress and help others grow at the same time. I refuse to wait until I believe I'm perfect or someone else has deemed me worthy of impacting others. I think that's the part of the church message that they tell, they'll tell a new believer, you come as you are. Right, right. But he'll meet you where you are. But once you're in it, we're taught that, nope, you have to get better and better and better and better. And don't ever, you can't even teach or lead until we deem you X, Y, Z classes, whatever, and start here. Right. And when we talk about better, it's by our very specific rules and standards. Absolutely. Only. 
Yeah. Not God's, not your own. Yeah, not even biblical. It's a they're human most of the things that they're saying. Yeah. I yeah, that was a tough lesson to learn and fully soak in and accept that I don't have to reach this level before people can hear and learn and grow with me. I can walk alongside my friends who are also struggling with this and I might even have a lot of wisdom to give them because hey, I've been there. Maybe I'm there right now and I'm also trying to process it. <laughs> wanted to loop back to when she was raising her teenage sisters. How did the church piece work in for them as a family? So you said that like when you were setting up stability for the girls, Mm -hmm. like one of those things was like church every Sunday. And it did not work out for one of them. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I guess that was my question. Like what were the benefits or not? (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, No, I worked very hard at giving them space to be themselves in that, that them going to church does not make them a Christian or that they have to be that that person. But in my household that we do go to church on Sundays. It was never for me to push the religion part on them. It may have came across that way to a teenage girl. You'd have to ask them. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it did. But I, to me that said stability. It may not be the right or wrong but me doing the best that I could at that moment that's what it meant. I like to hope she doesn't resent me for it. Or at least as she gets older, I told them a lot that I'm doing the best I can with where I'm at. Like I hope that they hear that, whether it's when they're younger or when they're 30, dealing with kids of their own. Right, right. That we do the best we can raising children where we're at. I think that when you're a kid, the two sisters who went through the turmoil they went through, where they lost a father, a mom who chose to walk away from them, which has got to be the most ultimate pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to be forced church, I get how that would really suck and not make any sense to a kid. <laughs> I do. But for me, when I did it, I did it with the mindset of this is what my father would want and this is his children. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it was a higher calling, not in a religious part. It was a higher calling because my dad. Yeah, right, <laughs> my dad right. would want that, so I'm doing what my dad wants. Um, when I went to therapy for the family of origin, I remember all the women were just commiserating about what their parents did to fuck them up. Right, right. <laughs> and I couldn't breathe because I was like, oh my God, I'm doing all of these things to my sisters. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I'm a family of origin now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, said it, I said it. Um, and the therapist, she's real funny. She like got sat. I think she might have cursed. She like sassed me and she was like, those kids can go to therapy when they're adults if they want to to work through their shit. But we're here to fix you or work through yours so you can even be potentially available to help them later. Right. <laughs> I love it. I love so it. So I was really thankful that I was yeah. like, that was kind of, it wasn't a scapegoat, but sometimes it was. I was like, oh, that's fine because I can figure that shit out later. This might seem like a harsh question. But I asked Brandy how she can still believe in God and that God is good when her family and her marriage were torn apart. Going back to religion on that. (laughs) Full circle. (laughs) For me, I, I can't, for my own self, I can't deny how many times I felt he's come through in a time where I felt all alone with all these people. I had all these people around me. I had kids in my house all the time. I had a human as a husband. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And in my darkest times by myself, I just felt that I'm not alone in that. And the hope for me comes that I can still find joy in it. I don't know if it's fair for me to put you on the spot, but I think that one of the things that Holly appreciates about me is that I'm a generally joyful person because I can, for me, I find hope in knowing that my creator is with me at all times. There's a time when I was trying desperately to get to California to take care of my sisters and that the beginning when my mom first was going off the deep end and my dad was dead and I did everything I told you earlier, I did everything I could and I like just prayed all the time, God, like what in the hell am I supposed to do? I can't you're not letting me get out there. Like I am I've begged you to get me out there. And then one day my mother who hates me came to me and asked me if she could come. Like to me, my mother in human form would never have humbled herself to ask me. Um, but that God worked in a circumstance that nobody really can just explain. And other people may not see it as God working in that, but it's an unexplainable situation to me that Brenda at that point would not have asked me for help. I see it with seeing Becca now and who she's become as a wonderful woman. I mean, she's a teenager, she's got her shit, but I can look and be like, that wasn't my mom. I raised that girl. I made her when she goes and helps a kid that is being not, doesn't seem. And I see her reach out to that child. I'm like, oh, that's something that I instilled. I did that. And it's not me taking credit, but that for me, the higher power in my life gave me the ability to still instill that stuff in her in those broken moments you're talking about Mm -hmm. but i can still show her that he was there for me and it's not i'm not saying it's her faith i'm saying for myself it was those times that i was like okay something's carrying me through this because brandy on my own was crumbled on the floor (laughs) in a ball crying brandy when she had christ and observed it in her life functioned and raised a kid and (laughs) Mm -hmm. i see it every day like in just and for me, the way I observe life at all times, even in an environment where I'm speaking to someone who's not a believer or someone that's quite anti my view, getting to converse with them and show them my authentic love for them wherever they are in their life, that's where I feel my faith is at its best. Like, if I can be authentic to you, you don't have to know that I am a crazy Christian person or not. You just know that I'm meeting you where you are and we're just hanging out and having a good time. I don't have to preach at you. My, I like to think that my words and my actions show it. <laughs> Look, you made us all cry. What a great podcast. <laughs> I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> I even see it in stuff like I like, like like this kind of stuff. Like it's all my friends that have had strong opinions about faith, they still keep me around. <laughs> it's true. She's talking about me. <laughs> it, it's been a, a thing that's happened a lot in my life. And, you know, it, it hurt when I had people walk away in those times, but I still had to get through those times by knowing that I didn't change who I was to make someone like me or conform to me or me conform to them, that I just 
I like to think, and I could be wrong, that I stayed generally myself in that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Overall, I'm not saying it's perfection. I failed a lot. <laughs> Brandy faced back-to-back traumas, just a slew of betrayals in such a short period of time. But she somehow found the strength to persevere, to continue to do hard things. She actually didn't talk to her mom for seven years. And then this past year, her mom finished a program and invited Brandy to the graduation. Brandy said that she felt like this might be the only time that she could see her mom sober, so she went. Since then, they've kept in regular touch. Mom has been giving Brandy space to do it on her own terms, and she seems to be maintaining her sobriety thus far. The biggest thing that she did is tell me that she's thankful that I raised the kids because I gave them a lot of opportunities that she couldn't have. It's a work in progress, <laughs> but I'm thankful that she's okay now. For today. For today. <laughs> For today. I found it hard to believe someone like you cared for me. You put this love in my heart. Turns out this story isn't about yoga. It's about the creative ways each of us try to connect with God, the ways we try to heal, and how the church in its current form are afraid of what they don't know, are afraid of what women bring to the spiritual table. It's about how we attempt to quash women's physical and spiritual confidence. Yes, the shaming has shaken Brandy, made her doubt herself. From the messages about her body and purpose that she got as a girl to her beliefs and practices as an adult woman. But it's never shaken her faith, because I guess God just keeps showing up for her, even when her mom and her husband and the church did not. So Brandy, this message is for you. Get up and get out there. The church needs women like you who slay their shame demons, who teach and pastor and share even though they're single or divorced or dating and mating or otherwise live outside that man-made box with a cross on top. 